And okay, so we're uh, now in Second Corinthians six. You could turn there one to thirteen for today. Um, um, has anyone uh, seen Zoe in person? <laughs> I think they've been taking some guests and all that. So hopefully, um, you saw some of the pictures. I think I saw some pictures. So let's continue to remember. Uh, Zoe and, and the Park family, Emily's recovery. Uh, yeah. I, uh, can I ask uh, <clears throat> some volunteers to read our passage? As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit, and in sincere love, in truthful speech, and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, Genuine yet regarded as imposters, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed. Sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and open wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak as to my children, open wide your hearts also. All right. So <clears throat> um, it's, uh, I think, a pretty straightforward passage if we break it up into kind of three parts. So verses one and two, I think, relate especially back to chapter five. And then verses three through um, 10 talk uh, about... Uh, kind of what Paul does um, in his ministry, right? What he focuses on or what's important to him. Um, and we'll talk about uh, in terms of making his ministry uh, effective or uh, mm, consistent right, with, with his message. And then uh, 11, 12, and 13, um, I picked it here because uh, it act, it actually uh, connects more to chapter seven. So I'm actually going to um, reserve talking about it till we get to chapter seven. There's another chunk at the end of uh, after this, the the bottom half of Second Corinthians six that is kind of uh, slightly different from um, ten through thirteen. So we'll do this uh, like pretty much one through one through ten today. And then do the uh, like 14 through, I forget, 19 next time. And then thereafter, we'll uh, take up seven, chapter seven, and include, go back to, so go back to 611 to 13. Okay, so one to two, right? I said um, 
I feel connects back to chapter five. Chapter five is, of course, I think one of the most significant chapters on salvation and evangelism um, and uh, the call of God for us to uh, uh, be his ambassadors, right? Uh, Paul talks about, uh, as I tried to frame it last time, the message of reconciliation that Christ was died for our sins in order uh, to reconcile us between us and God, right? God made him who had no sin to be sin, right? And then um, because, you know, therefore, if anyone is in Christ's new creation, all those amazing, beautiful verses. And then Paul, I think, emphasizes the ministry of reconciliation, meaning God has called him and the Corinthians, basically every Christian, to involve themselves, to dedicate themselves, to be about um, being a, an ambassador of Christ, a sharing, conveying, communicating, uh, exemplifying that message of reconciliation, right? So to take that into our um, daily life and uh, to implore others, to um, persuade others, we talked about those aspects to uh, pray for others and that they also will be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. Okay, so that's what I think he's referring to in verses one and two here, right? So if I had to say it in one word, just, just to kind of keep it simple, is to talk about urgency, okay? divine urgency. Okay? Paul says here, um, you know, we have received this amazing blessing from God. Right? There's grace, God's grace. Um, and I think, again, it's the salvation that we received, but it's also the privilege slash responsibility of living out that salvation, of uh, transmitting that message of salvation. Right? And he quotes in verse 2 a, uh, uh, a passage, a verse that, um, talks about this uh, kind of the importance, the 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 nowness, if you will, of the of God's favor. Right. So uh, he is, I think, basically uh, impressing upon the Corinthians that there is a divine urgency again to this um, to the responsibility. Right, um, that he's he's commissioned us with, that he has uh, granted us, that he's bestowed upon us. Right, so uh, to ignore it, uh, to find other priorities, uh, to not take it seriously, right? to not uh, maybe um, have it as part of. Uh, what we find as valuable and significant, uh, these would be all ways in which we squander right, God's grace, which, right, even as we say it or, or think about it, that's a terrible thing. Right? Why would we want to um, waste? Why would we want to um, discard? Why would we want to cheapen the precious, right? grace of God. So, um, you know, just kind of, you know, I think being pretty plain about this, I, I thought one thing that might help us 
kind of bring this in and internalize this and really kind of take it to heart is to think about urgency, talk about together, right? This idea of urgent, urgent. What makes something urgent? So um, I'd like to open it up to you guys because you know you you are all I think you all understand urgency and there are various urgencies um, in your daily life. Right? So let's um, share that. Um, what makes something urgent? Um, when do you feel that urgency? Uh, what maybe you can identify some of the things that kind of uh, are repeatedly uh, urgent for you. And then maybe we could take some of that and apply it to the gospel ministry. Um, I think for me, one of the things that um, makes things urgent is when there's maybe a sense of finality to something. Like um, I just, I remember when my uh, paternal grandmother was, you know, diagnosed with like pancreatic cancer, you know, I felt a, you know, more urgency to try to share like about Christianity with her, share about God with her. You know, I um, even bought her a Chinese Bible and found out I bought the wrong one. So I had to buy the right Chinese Bible. So, and, you know, I got my aunt to come who's a Christian and, you know, pray with my grandma. So, I mean, for me, it was like I had so many years before that I could have been sharing of her, but when it was like she's sick and, you know, wasn't, you know, going to make it, that spurred more, you know, activity, spurred more, um, you know, motivation to share with her before, you know, she passed away. Thanks, Matt. That's a great, great example. So when there is a finality or a closing window, and we might not have that opportunity again. I guess another thing for me would be um, when there's like a a, pen, a potential of harm, like a, a danger, you know, like, um, for example, these homeless shelters in Chinatown, like uh, I, I feel like there is a urgency to do something about it because I see a danger and um, danger to people I love. Yeah, so um, like consequences or repercussions <clears throat> that maybe become irreparable or, uh, you know, affects, painfully affects um, people we care about. Thank you. I think for me, um, one thing that creates a sense of urgency for me is when I perceive um, that some action will have some sort of benefit or, you know, some sort of long lasting effect, if I can put it that way, like, um, like some sort of, I don't know, if I do this thing now, it may lead to this thing in the future. 
which is beneficial for this person or this situation or something. Um, so like looking ahead to like, I guess, yeah, like a consequence, but like in a positive sense. Um, yeah. That's perfect, Marge. I was just thinking that. So Joe did the like the negative side and you kind of said the positive side, but something that has uh, uh, kind of it'll reverberate or it'll put a person in a good place uh, or a bad place. Right? The flip side of that. What else? I mean, you guys are all running around at this stage in your most of you, right? We're all time poor poverty poverty of time we we all say i'm too busy uh, why what makes things kind of rushed and urgent and kind of like pressure filled and stressful it's also uh, what i what i view as sorry so you're stretching okay say, say that again uh what i view as important Okay, my value. Um, I don't have a very good example, so, so um, something that I see as important. Um, it might not be important to other people, right? But since it's it's in my value system, you know, it really bothers me. It could be something very minor, mundane, but if we really bothers me, I see that is as important. I will take care of that first. I think that's an excellent, um, yeah, observation. It, it, there may not be no time issue per se, but the the centrality or the essentiality, like the importance, as you said, makes it like that's what I want to do right, and that's what I, you know that that needs my attention now, right? Even if there is no timeline of a benefit or a protection, right? But it's um, it's what you're supposed to do now, right? So like I, I, maybe just to spiritualize it, um, Clarice, like in worship, right? Um, there is that sense of like, like I got to get close to God because if I don't, like nothing makes sense in my life and that I will always be, you know, maybe driven or beholden uh, to so many of these, uh, you know, things tugging or, or, or demanding my time. So I'm going to say, I'm going to quiet all that. I'm going to shut all that out. And, you know, today's time of prayer, tomorrow's devotion, um, you know, the next day's Sabbath, uh, you know, the, the time of worship on Sunday, you know, all those things we kind of would say, what's the, what do I have to do right now? Well, I got to get, I got to be with God. I got to spend time in my prayer closet. Uh, does that um, resonate with you, Clarice? Yeah, definitely. Great. Yep. Okay. Um, that covers most of my list. Any other contributions from you guys? Um, or maybe just questions relating to urgency? Like, have you been thinking about it and go, why am I so, you know, um, you know, harassed and uh, kind of un uncentered, you know, what makes something urgent? Something that I thought about kind of, I think is a little, little different is 
uh, what I uh, like, I would say it's peer pressure, like everyone else is doing it. And you don't want to be left behind. You don't want to be you know, out of the loop. FOMO, I guess, is another um, way to, to look at it. It's like trendy, you know, everyone in your family, your friend group, your coworkers, all your your all your kids friends at school they're all doing and and so you feel like oh my gosh if i don't jump on the bandwagon if i'm not um part of this you know that something is wrong with my life i i think that's a legitimate reason in practice and not legitimate but it's an actual reason in practice for urgency Okay, um, Matt already kind of, uh, I think, applied in his example, this, uh, one of the most important, uh, significant uh, uh, connections, right? How do, because, you know, the reality of death, and even the, you know, at least, you know, in his situation, he talked about this kind of terminal diagnosis, right? And, and of, uh, like, someone who's lived a long a longer life right uh, but you know even things like you know covid and you know military conflict and accidents right these should i think create a sense of unpredictability a sense of urgency right that there may not be a tomorrow right? there may not be another chance the, the window looks wide open people live longer and longer, um, whatever, whatever, right? We, we can have a sense of whatever complacency or, um, you know, there, there's no need to push ourselves, but it, uh, you know, uh, the rich fool and the, the rich guy who planned for, uh, you know, a leisurely life because he had become so rich and, that night his soul was demanded right so jesus uh, in the parable that jesus tells god calls him a fool um i read some kind of made-up story that satan called a meeting of all of his like little little devils his emissaries and he um asked like what would you do if i if i made you kind of the chief tempter to the to to human beings how would you um you know keep them from god and he said i'll tell the i'll tell human beings that there's no heaven right and uh satan goes no that's not effective because uh you know god has set eternity in the hearts of every person so they won't believe you and then a second devil said I'll tell people there's no hell, right? There's no punishment. And Satan goes, no, we all have a sense of kind of accountability and, and right and wrong. So you know, they may believe you for a time, but they're not, they're not, it's not going to be useful. The third devil spoke up and said, I'll tell them that there's no hurry. There's no urgency. And Satan reportedly said, okay, you got the job uh, by convincing people that they have all the time in the world, whatever deathbed conversions or this, that, or the other, um, 
they would potentially uh, put off. Uh, and I think what Paul's saying in verses one and two is, you can't do that. No way. Uh, not only because, um, like we've talked, we're talking about it in negative terms, but you know, trying to bring in some of the stuff that Marge said about it being positive, or what Clarice said about it being important. I think the the better kind of urgency that we should like, you know, maybe you've heard evangelists or or people talk about that, right? Like, you know, if you died, if you died today and when and, and God asked you why should I let you into heaven it's, it's almost like a negative kind of like you know you you, you put fear into them right but uh, actually I think the urgency is just as important if not greater that we uh, tell them that don't spend another day apart from God don't succumb to your sins don't be driven by your ego and by the, you know, egos of others, of the, sorry, the, the Putins of the world, right? Don't give yourself to them, you know, and for those of us that are feeling like, like the rat race in, in corporate America and, and just the mighty dollar is, you know, sucking the life out of us, is killing us, right? I think Paul would say, no, no, today is the day that you have to meet the reconciler. Today is the day that you have to become a new creation. Now is a time that you have to have your sins forgiven and that you enter into a purposeful life, a life of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, good faith, and self-control, right? You know, that kind of um, the, the, the joys, the power, right? The strength, the, the, the sense of, of like everything coming together when we surrender our lives uh, to God, right? That is actually, to me, a divine priority, right? That's, uh, I think that that uh, is a community, uh, a message of, of true communication and power that um, maybe is not emphasized enough, right? Um, and that God himself, I think, I mean, God does both, right? He warns people like, through Jonah, right? Repent, or Nineveh is going to be destroyed in uh, 40 days or whatever. There is that warning, but there's also, uh, you know, these invitations, right? Why do you labor for that which is not satisfactory or, or for bread that's really not going to, you know, feed your hunger? Or come to me, you know, experience my divine blessing. So th there's, um, I think, I think there's, we have to, as ambassadors, we have to, as uh, God's fellow workers, right? Paul says that, right? I really found that to be kind of something I didn't notice before that Paul talks about the, both the reality and the need and his identity of, fellow, of having fellow workers, right? Yeah. Christian life, so much of it, I think, is experienced and shared and learned through fellow workers. So, no matter how great you are as an individual person, you could be the most spiritual uh, person, uh, you know, in your own little uh, identity. You could have, you could be, you know, full of knowledge and full of, of, of effectiveness and that kind of stuff. But this uh, co-laboring, right? That Paul constantly, you know, Paul himself was like an individually, he was a star, spiritual star, 
but he always grounded himself uh, with other people. And he is bringing the Corinthians along and encouraging them and emulating for them, right? And being accountable to them as well, that it's important, right? That they live out the truths and the challenges and the glories uh, of the gospel. Okay. Uh, other thoughts or things about urgency? Um, I'm going to just throw this out there, but I would disagree that this is a text about urgency, especially about evangelism. And, um, you know, I think we kind of latch on the phrase that now is the day of salvation, right? And we think about the urgency for evangelism and so forth. But like, you know, verse two, I, I get the sense that it's actually talking about for the Corinthians who are not um, receiving God's grace. It's actually a reminder that now is the time for God's grace that, you know, you, I mean, I'm just going to apply verse two, right? In the day, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you, right? So if now is the time of God's favor, it means this is the time that God heard you, right? And if now is the day of salvation, it means now is the day that God will help you, right? And he's writing to Corinthians who I think are Christians, right? They have been, you know, they've been evangelized. And so my reading of this text is more that what he's saying in verse one, right? God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. I think he's trying to encourage them that today you can receive God's grace. He's trying to encourage them that, you know, today, right, you know, you shouldn't just expect that whatever hardship you're dealing with today, that God is not there. It's today is the day that God has heard you, and God's actually saying, I'm going to help you. So I, I, when I read this text, you know, other than that line, now is the day of salvation, with our, I don't know, evangelical bent on it, I don't actually see this particular couple verses as a verse about urgency, at least from the way I read it. It's more an encouragement that actually today, you know, if you think God is far away, no, God is not far away, but that you should, you know, today God can help you, today God can hear you. It's a, more of a verse of hope, actually, rather than urgency. You know, I don't know if, you know, perhaps I'm, trying to tease out a difference that maybe more than I expected, but I, my personal reading is that it's not particularly about urgency. Okay. Um, so I think if we look at verse two by itself, right? Yeah, that we could say that, well, I mean, verse two is about salvation, but it's a quote of, an, of another Old Testament verse. Um, so certainly God's grace, you know, appears in many ways, right? Like you said, um, you, you, we, we might say that God's grace, uh, we'll talk about three through 10, but God's grace comes in times of hardship and discouragement and difficulty, right? Uh, and stuff. So you know, God's grace is a, is a, a general kind of catch-all uh, for God's you know, presence and his help and his uh, provision. And, um, but I think the urgency, I think, you know, in verse one, uh, at least Paul is urging, right? There's an urgency in his word there. So I think that there is a place for urgency. And if we follow it on the heels of what he's, 
been emphasizing in chapter five, right, which is this ministry and message of reconciliation. I think that that uh, it does contextually, right, and not all contexts are easy to kind of discern. I think that um, we can kind of place it in the larger framework of uh, of evangelism and uh, salvation. Now, it's an interesting question, right, that I haven't really found clarity on from commentaries or in my own mind of, you know, um, there's a couple of like interesting kind of big picture things I think that Paul is addressing, right? And, and Dave, you said that he, these Corinthians are Christians, right? So, um, I don't know why he says verse two salvation other than that that's the verse that he quoted right uh, but you know he says in chapter five we implore you on god's behalf be reconciled to god so commentators say well there are some non-christians there or you know that has a general kind of you know teaching point uh, but he's also perhaps saying and, and we'll get to this in chapter seven is that Corinthians, be reconciled to me, Paul, because that's how he started the book, right? Because they were questioning his credibility, questioning his authority, questioning everything about Paul. They, they found other teachers and other teachings that they found, you know, more palatable or more exciting or better than what Paul taught. And they, they started kind of having issues with the guy that, you know, founded the church and the guy that had, you know, guided them. And so, uh, you'll see that more and more as we, you know, get to 7, 8, 9, 10, you know, Paul, and you get a little bit of that in verse 13, right, where Paul says, hey, I'm going to open my heart to you now, because you guys right now, we're not doing heart to heart, right, so um, I, I think the general, you know, Paul digresses, sometimes it's hard to follow, but the, the tenor of reconciliation, I think, kind of uh, is big, right, uh, I feel like that is something that, and again, I don't know if it's just reconciliation to God, reconciliation to others. I think a point could be made that it's both, right, and that kind of thing. But, uh, you know, I, I, I thanks, Dave, for um, making that observation. Uh, I, I think uh, that would be, how about if we say that that could be like a, 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 a helpful application or um, kind of another way to kind of um, uh, kind of have Paul's uh, the, the point that he's making uh, kind of enter into our lives. Okay, thank you. Uh, let me go now to three to ten because um, I think um, um, Paul is uh, attaching these kind of descriptions of the kind of uh, uh, his way of life. Um, the adversities, the challenges, the difficulties that he has undergone and is undergoing. Um, uh, and governs that is what he says in verse three, right? We put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. So based on what, you know, I, I just recently said, just moments ago, um, I there is a, still an op, somewhat of an open question on whether Paul is trying to make sure that his ministry is not discredited in front of the Corinthians, right? So there's, there's some kind of like a, 
both a generalization, but maybe uh, also kind of he's ribbing them uh, a little bit, right? And saying, you guys are saying this, but, you know, I'm actually, you know, making sure that you can't use this. I'm being blameless about this. But uh, the way that, you know, following kind of the ways in which we're looking, we've been talking about this or that I've been talking about it, um, I think um, that um, Paul is saying that the, again, the ministry and message of the reconciliation is so important that he will endure, he will submit himself, subject himself to these kinds of sorrows, these kinds of humiliations, these kinds of, of uh, you know, negative experiences. Who wants this, right? Who wants to go through hardships and distresses, beatings, imprisonments, riots, you know, sleepless nights? I mean, some of us, like, you know, we can't, if, if, if we don't get our full thing of sleep, we get upset, you know, we were, we're ineffective or whatever, right? Um, you know, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as imposters. All of this, you know, rigmarole, all of these kinds of uh, sufferings, right? Paul says, the reason I go through that, we go through that, is so that we don't hinder the gospel. Or we don't hinder God's message. Or in today's words, we don't hinder uh, God's grace. Right? So it's, it's, it's redemptive, it's purposeful. Right? Paul's not just getting, you know, willing to be beaten up and thrown around and, and kind of, you know, go through all these terrible things because he has nothing better to do with his life or he's not an assertive fellow or, or that kind of thing. Like, no, he's, he, he, he's allowing this because it supports the message, the, the purpose that he has, which is to, you know, become all things to all men so that in that way, he can win some, right? It, it, it's Christ-like, right? The reason that Jesus didn't, um, you know, fight to avoid the cross. The reason that he didn't defend himself in um, the trial or in the abuse that, that he received, right? The reason that he didn't call upon all of the angels, uh, legion of angels to destroy his enemies. The reason that he... Uh, allowed, he chose to suffer on the cross and be abandoned, forsaken, you know, you guys know the passion of the Christ, but so that, you know, we could be saved, right? Uh, he suffered for us. So again, you know, we, we've talked about this also in our Sunday, some of the Colossians messages, right? So um, I think what I want to do for the rest of today is, again, get you guys to think about some of these specifics and think about your own lives right? and maybe share. Right? Uh, either, maybe I, I was thinking about two types of sharing, like one could be um, personal examples where you, know, you, like Paul, experience something pretty negative, right? But you did it in the mindset that this might uh, help people 
meet Jesus Christ. Um, that you, whatever, uh, put your nose to the grindstone because uh, you were praying that this would uh, be construed as uh, a lo loving gesture, uh, a, a, a means of communicating, you know, God's God's um, the gospel uh, to somebody. So, you know, encourage us, you know, with ways in which. You know, and don't go too long, right? You know, but if there's something that you can point to, or maybe that's something you witnessed, um, let's avoid like something you read or something you heard. But some, maybe maybe there's a personal uh, observation of someone that you know you saw go through this, and how that really is an example of this. So that's one type that I would be blessed to hear from you guys. Another one is um, a struggle. It's like you know, if you want to reflect on why these, uh, something like this is so hard to, to subject yourself to, right, and uh, try to understand um, maybe uh, how uh, we can be more, uh, yeah, more, 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 more mature, more uh, willing to, uh, you know, share in the fellowship of Christ's suffering. I think that could be the kinds of, of um, yeah, uh, of things that would be, be helpful to all of us. Um, instead of like going through each one and describing what that is, to kind of see it in our actual lives, our real lives. I think definitely in my Christian walk, um, I have been very blessed to witness a lot of people um, who are willing to undergo this kind of, um, I guess, quote unquote, hardship, you know, like uh, living in Manhattan and with young kids, but still willing to, um, to give of their time and energy uh, for God's word or um, not sure if this is what you're looking for, but to me, um, it's not easy to um, have a family, have your work, and also uh, aim to share God's uh, message either um, like on the campuses, um, sharing God's word in, um, or even in their workplace, um, trying to um, yeah, and sometimes it's not met necessarily with, you know, open arms and a lot of um, uh, apologetics that one needs to do or, um, or just art of persuasion, uh, asking God to help them. Um, anyways, I mean, I think, I think for myself, though not in Manhattan, uh, I myself was the recipient of people who were willing to, you know, go through those kind of hardships so that I can hear the gospel. Yeah, thanks, Joe. Yeah, I had that down living in Manhattan on my notes. So that was uh, something that, I mean, some people would look at living in Manhattan as kind of uh, like a, you know, an elite action. 
but uh, I guess in terms of you know, the the challenges of it as well, and the space wise and uh, safety wise and all that. Yeah, thank you. Um, I, I'm thinking about uh, my experience in Thailand. Uh, when um, at different times we 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 visited different people at the detention center, the Pakistani uh, refugees. Uh, a lot of them, um, uh, they they are very faithful Christians, um, but because of their faith, they they are persecuted. Uh, I heard um, their families or like burned. Uh, how people. Um, destroyed uh, their families, their businesses, etc. Um, so they had to flee uh, to Thailand, right? Um, and, um, and seeing them, uh, I visited uh, one, one family in, uh, at the detention center, uh, their situation in Thailand was really bad in the detention center. But um, they're still very, um, when I spoke with them, um, I remember the dad was still um, very more positive than me in general. I feel like <laughs> very uh, just uh, he's he was uh, we were try we tried to encourage him, and he always he also tried to encourage us too at this even in such a bad situation like like uh, in in that detention center for a couple of years. Um, in a small room with many people, and it it was so hot, so hot in Thailand. In a small room with many people stuck together, yeah, that was a uh, very uh, motivating, encouraging. Yeah, yeah, I have those memories too. Um... I think um, echoing what Joe and Clarice shared, there's a lot of examples that, um, that um, I've seen of this kind of um, sacrifice. You know, one person that comes to mind is Carolyn Harrington. <clears throat> How um, with that, you know, with a very debilitating kind of illness and disease, and yet she, faithfully, um, you know, kind of carefully and wisely, you know, I remember she would lay down for 15 minutes and then she would get up and do, take care of her family, but also do ministry um, and teach others. Um, but she could only do it in 15 minute increments, right? Um, and uh, when we were in college, um, I remember uh, Pastor Paul and beginning his name, we would go to their small, like small, small, um, they lived in the back of a, a, someone's house, like a little in-law cottage and open their fridge. And it was literally just like the baby's formula and, you know, like milk. <laughs> there wasn't anything in their refrigerator. They, you know, they had just started the church. They had moved to Berkeley to share the gospel with students and, um, you know, this church was small and there were only a handful of students coming. So there wasn't a lot of tithes and offerings coming in to support them. And yet um, they would invite us over and they would 
and cook big pots of soup to feed us, things like that, so that the gospel, gospel could be shared. I might throw in something um, what Paul says in 10, right? Poor yet making many rich. Um, I think, you know, when I see, uh, it's not only at our church, but many Christians who uh, week in, week out, um, you know, give faithfully, um, maybe do without or uh, and really kind of have to trust God for the next paycheck or whatnot, but they uh, use their money to help others, right? Um, some people, it's because God has provided a lot for them, but others, even though there's not much, you know, cushion or much in the bank account, um, this kind of spirit of giving, this generosity. We're talking more about it in chapter eight and nine, but um, I was struck by that uh, reading. Uh, that um, so, like, uh, just I think for me and Mona. Um, you know, we have, you know, the uh, giving opportunities like, you know, regular tithes and offerings at church, but also um, there have, you know, we do Thanksgiving mission offerings and other kind of occasions. And, um, you know, we've had a couple of chances to kind of just give to somebody that we felt was in need, just kind of felt led to um, share with them. And, uh, you know, there's Quite a few instances where either the timing or the amount or just kind of what they were going through it really was um like you know i think god orchestrated um and uh, there was even this occasion where uh mona's co-worker right um, this was during the pandemic we're we're praying for finances and all that and you know i think they gave subsidies well not subsidies but government checks and uh mona's co-worker they were you know they're financially fine and so uh, she's a i think a catholic uh person and she but she knows mona's a pastor's wife and asked her oh is there somebody that you know that needs this and mona directed her, her to somebody she knew and um that co-worker gave you know in love Christian love, the entire whatever thousand dollars um, to that person, and um, I was just talking to, you know, when I talked to that person, they said, um, you know, that even though the pandemic is horrible, <laughs> right, and, and still going on, that blessing from God in that time of need, that answer to prayer, that reception, right, uh, that uh, really made the pandemic like <laughs> something not good, but like a real gain, a real plus, a real uh, you know work of God in her life. And so, yeah, that was just kind of um, uh, just the, the the sacrificial 
hopefully sacrificial and giving uh, to uh, the Lord's people or the Lord's work. It just kind of, uh, you know, when we're talking about like not discrediting the ministry, right? Uh, the ability to show that, you know, money is not our most important value. Anyway, that was a little bit lengthy, sorry. Okay. I hope we can think about it more. Um, Maybe there are, uh, you know, examples that come to mind or stories that personal experiences, testimonies that you have in that regard. Um, just to wrap up, I am thinking that, um, you know, some of these things may not be in our future, like, I don't know, beatings, imprisonments, riots, maybe, <laughs> maybe, uh, who knows, but you know, we may never experience that. Um, so some of like some of the physical kind of hardships, um, maybe, uh, I mean, sleepless nights and hunger, hard work, I think those can be readily experienced, right? Even in modern Christianity, right? Uh, but I was thinking about kind of the emotional toll that sometimes trying to be blameless, trying to uh, push the gospel further forward, um, trying to help someone who maybe is difficult to help um, or the kind of the reality of, you know, a relational conflict, right? Um, but the hope, desire, willingness, perseverance, uh, yeah, uh, undeterability of trying to uh, uh, reach common ground and, you know, resolve misunderstanding, you know, again, all that stuff I talked about, fusion, right, being fusioneers, um, that that is really hard. I, I think sometimes though that takes like uh, such a such a huge kind of drain, right? I, I think if you took out the emotional problems and the like, you know, relational conflict, um, like Christianity would be a lot to me. It would make more sense. It would be a lot easier. Um, the fact that you know real commitment and I think real relationship and friendship, um, you know, it's truthful speech, right? It's oneness in the Holy Spirit. It's you know, um, good report, bad report. It's misunderstanding and then clarification. So um, sorrowful yet always rejoicing. So again. Um, <laughs> I guess want to offer to you guys the encouragement of uh, emotional endurance, uh, relational longevity. Uh, try to stay, you know, connected and try to stay together. Right. Uh, 
you know, it's fusion, not fission, right? We're not trying to split apart the atoms for power. We're trying to bring it together and, you know, gain energy and, and you know, union uh, through that, that kind of activity. And in order to do that, someone's got to <laughs> pay the piper. Someone's got to, you know, like I always say, what happened to all of the sin and the toxins and the hatred and the conflict and the rebellion when Jesus died on the cross? It didn't just kind of evaporate. No, Jesus internalized it, right? He, he soaked it in like a sponge. He absorbed all of our iniquities and, um, you know, he pulled out all, all of the, the darkness uh, in us, right? And, and that's true in, in human relationships too. Like if like, you know, two friends fight or a husband and wife, like they, they, they go through some sort of, I don't know, betrayal, in order for forgiveness to happen, there needs to be that kind of absorption. Someone, right? Like a wrong's been done. Sin is relational. And when that is, in order for that to be healed, right? Uh, you know, Jesus has to take it, right? Upon, take that sin upon himself, or he did take that sin upon himself. And in, in, in terms of communication and that emotional connection, like the offended party often has to do the same. And when we're, when we can't do that or when we refuse to do that, I feel like uh, that makes a kind of an impasse. And I, I just, I keep thinking about, you know, you know, we always say, the Father make us one, right? Jesus says, you know, give them unity, right? Let the, the world will know that you have sent your son if they have love for one another. And, and that's, so that, he prayed that because it's going to be super hard, I think. And it's, I think it is super hard. It's been super hard. So, um, um, yeah, for, to, to make our ministry credible, to make it uh, effective, to uh, make our gospel uh, preaching, I think, um, consistent, um, willing to go through some of those difficulties. Okay, let me uh, close us, and uh, maybe we could talk more. Jesus, we thank you for uh, indeed going through each and every one of these uh, harrowing and tempting and difficult uh, experiences, uh, being tempted in every way just as we are, and yet being without sin, Lord, in order that the gospel uh, story, the cross, could shine brightly and brilliantly uh, for uh, many who are in need, many who uh, so very badly um, need the grace of God. We pray, Lord, that uh, you can help us um, examine our lives and uh, uh, what what do are the things that we put ourselves through what are we willing to take uh, what uh, quickens our spirits uh, what is important when do we really uh, cry out to you when do we experience you um, just pray that uh, you may impress upon us uh, through your word and through your spirit 
through the presence of brothers and sisters. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.